and welcome to the Face Downs, your source for TCG news and all things Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm your host, Lucas. I'm Ruben. And I'm Joe. And God, it is. Uh, we have reverse roles. It is boiling hot in yeah, the studio today. Flames around my head. If I uh, if I give out in twenty minutes, you'll know why. Yeah, and cooking. the weather down here is not too bad. <laughs> oh, just a, just speaking an, of the weather, oh, yeah, speaking of yeah, speaking of oh oh that was last week. Never mind. How have you been? <laughs> how have our weekend? You how's your weekend? You gear gone? Uh, well, no weekend, unfortunately. Our weekend stores are yet to open back up. Um, but I mean, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, super fun. You, Lucas, tackled a... Yeah, Ruben's the one that's been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I've been chilling. You you were on Friday. You tackled a super cool new format that's being played at uh, Card Merchant in West City. Yep, we're playing Sealed. Uh, so we all bought three structure decks. Uh, Couple packs. We all lost to Machina. It's a good time. Mm. Shoutouts to uh, Harry for bringing that one. Aaron had the Realm of Light deck that he found on Trade Me. First edition, by the way. Um, and he's, he spent know. the entire time going, this is, I just wasted $450 to play this sealed event because apparently they're worth 150 bucks each. Yeah, well, that's, you know, mm. drink the pickle juice. That's what I got to say, doll. Gorgeous decks, though. We've got the mat uh, on the table to match, actually, which is stunning. Yep. Um, and I've just been jamming hobbies, uh, enjoying the current format uh, with Destiny Striker. No ban list, obviously, at the time of recording, which is Sunday, January 9th. Um, so nothing to look forward to or discuss. Uh, so hopefully that changes. Wink, wink, Konami, please. We know you listen. Um, just drop it. You know, we just, we di- we're dying for something to yeah, talk Konami's about. Konami's up in my DMs every yeah. day. Like, hey, baby, I love you the up. podcast. Yeah. Can I get a feature? Come you on. up. Yeah. You up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, I, John? I, took, I played a hobby league yesterday for the first time in a while because I've decided just to hop in for a few of them and, like, you know, have a bit of fun. Uh, I played Altergeist, which wasn't fun for other people, and a lot of people have already thrown shade at me for playing it, so I won't be playing it again next week, but I did win the Hobby League with it, so there we go. Easy. Just got to win once, and then you're like, oh, look, I won. Guess I won't play it again. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, just so good. Uh, I just can't, it's just, there's no, like, I just want everyone else to have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just (laughs) been around for so many formats, and will lead into the discussion of the day, which is the new formats that Konami have introduced unofficially or officially. I think it's a leak. Uh, Yeah, it's a weird little announcement. So for reference, for for context... (laughs) Ruben giving us his best sort of like... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. So for context, this was an announcement in tandem with, I believe... Was it YCS Las Vegas announcement? There was there was a text post online that got shared around. Um, it listed, I believe, an announcement towards an upcoming organized play event, but also now has broken down or elaborated on. Yeah, there we go. There's, there's we're currently looking at the thing right now. It's blacked out, but you can find the original uh, text or something. Um, oh, it's about back to door. That's what it was. Um, so they announced like the return of back to door, or maybe the the temporary suspension because of. Um, uh, Omarosa, um, but we've got, uh, alternatively, uh, we've been provided a, a new breakdown of formats that Konami are looking at introducing into the game. Now, these are official formats, so as a result, they will be officially sanctioned via their tournament software, so this is something that they're looking to promote and encourage. We obviously, we've seen Speed Duel, we've seen how, you know... 
See how well that went. Woo! We've seen how speed duels gone. Slam dunk. I mean, I'm playing speed duels every week. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm um, actually. I've actually um, got every deck built right oh, now as I we speak. I can't get enough of that um, sealed product as well. I mean, it's just so fantastic. Yeah, just smash hits. Um, so obviously, speed duel is kind of their first introduction of like a alternative, like play style. Like, okay. You can realistically say that they've designed traditional format as like an er, like an alternative format, but who in like off the top of your head plays traditional format? People who love Zodiac. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> People who are like, oh, you know what I miss, Broadbull, um, and that's that's on them. You know what I miss, painful choice. Um, so yeah, this is this is an interesting little little announcement. So there's five new formats to discuss or new kind of ways that they're looking at expanding out the game. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on Konami attempting to expand out before we even break down the formats? Like, what is your first impressions of this? Well, obviously, it's not our first impressions. We've known about this for like a couple of weeks. Well, Joe, you just talked before the podcast. You have a new player that's playing Obelisk Turbo. Yeah. Now, Obelisk Turbo has never been meta. No. So it won't necessarily fit with the older format ethos. But do you think there's a place for someone like that in Yu-Gi-Oh! right now? I think so. I think that um, Konami needs to address the newer players. Um, there's never been enough for uh, you know people to learn the game, I suppose. And we've spoken about this before in the podcast about simulators and stuff. There's just nothing officially from Konami. There's no like tutorials. There's no... Oh, there's not an easy way into the game. It's very much no. like you get thrown in the deep end and you learn. And hopefully we will discuss the format in, that we're talking about, but like one of the formats that they've announced, hopefully we'll be able to help them out a little bit. And, and, and you, Lucas, what, what's your impression on Konami attempting to diversify out? I think it's healthy. Uh, currently that player, the Obelisk player, for example, not to constantly go on about it, has nowhere to fall if the TCG bounces them away. So if they... Uh, show up to enough hobbies and just can't get a leg up. You know, they can't, like, uh, take any games with the deck that they kind of play. They don't have a place to go. They don't have, like, a casual format or maybe a side event that they can go to. Pretty much everyone who plays Yu-Gi-Oh! is locked into some kind of competitive 1v1. And I think this is somewhat of a first step towards remedying that. Mm. I would agree with both your sentiments. I think our biggest example for like a diversification of formats is Magic. They have numerous formats, far more than I can list off by memory at this moment in time. But that's serving a good purpose because not only are they, you know, creating cards in mind with these alternative formats, um, they're also designing sets specifically for that particular format. I've just, for example. They've most recently released a product called Modern Horizons 2, which is designed to support their modern format, which is different to their standard format, which is what we would compare to like TCG Advanced Constructed. So I think it's cool to see this kind of diversification. What I would like to see, uh, I'll maybe say that for later. I guess new formats are cool, and I think that it's a, a good step in the right direction to allow space for newer players, people who might not want to be playing Advanced Constructed, um, to enjoy the game without like a pressure to spend umpteen thousand dollars on a meta deck for it to just disappear and hopefully a die. Um, yeah, I guess it's good. We've talked about burnout and we've talked about falling out of love with the meta. Mm. And I think one of the big 
big difficulties with keeping Yu-Gi-Oh players is that if they get burnt out on the meta, there's there's nothing to do. And mm. if you get burnt out at a tournament and you're just sick of playing constructed, there's nothing to play. I mean, there's been a huge resurgence in playing alternative kind of older format Yu-Gi-Oh, I think for this exact reason. People at tournaments, at multi-day events, after they're done playing, they don't want to keep playing TCG. They want to play something else. And I think uh, old format has sort of emerged as the solution to that. Whereas in Magic, the Gathering Commander has sort of taken over the entire headspace of that game because mm. the players are just not interested in playing Constructed. Yeah, no, which no. is interesting to hear. I mean, I yeah. think Yu-Gi-Oh! players are pretty into Constructed overall. Yeah, I think that that's the, the, the only thing I do worry about when, when you have the multiple format kind of set up and I, I don't think it'll matter with these because the way they've been worded they've very much been advertised as kind of like a side sort of thing whereas magic in new zealand i don't know about around the world but like because there's so many different formats there's just not enough players sort of to like sustain every single one at a competitive level all the time i, I at least that's what i've been seeing locally um mm. i know in my own shop like commander is pretty much the only one that gets played and then occasionally you know when there's like a pre-release like all these other players came out come out of the woodwork but like uh, i know i know that like in Yu-Gi-Oh, like there is the only only the one format and that's enough to sustain what we have but i'm a bit concerned where we can do more with less yeah Yeah. we can have only 20 people show up each week but that's 20 people playing each other magic could have 20 people show up and have five pods of four. So yeah. I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like there's like they're presenting like a whole lot of tables to eat at, but you can only eat at one at a time. Mm. It's like mm. you like they want you to be invested in all these new formats that we're currently reading about, but then it's like there, there's not a, a time to kind of commit to like a particular format for a long time period. Like you said, it's a bit more, it seems a bit more kind of side event-ish as opposed to, Oh, we're gonna run a YCS, but the format is Heart of the Underdog, and these yeah. were banned. Let's let's jump into yeah. the format. So, there are four that matter, and one that is kind of a side. Not, I'm not gonna call it a format. It's sort of an approach. Mm. So, the four new formats are Time Wizard. They're all named after cards. Heart of the Underdog, Common Charity, and Deckmaster. With Deckmaster, I guess being the odd one out because it's named after an anime thing. So. To summarize them, Time Wizard is what we would describe as cross-banlist or old format. Heart of the Underdog would be described as non-meta. Common Charity would be a low-rarity, purely common format known as Pauper in other games. And Deckmaster looks to be an attempt at Commander, but um, not to spoil it's an, it. It's, I, a, it's a pretty pretty soft attempt. I think they missed every single mark on that in terms of actually recreating the format. But starting off... Um, because I think it is probably the most interesting, is Time Wizard. And mm. Joe, you've had experience running cross list events. Mm. What would you look for from a Konami source when it comes to running or presenting one of these events? How would you expect it to change if Konami was officially sanctioning it? I don't think it would change all too much, apart from obviously like you can use OTS prize um, support and things like that. Um, the thing that I really want to see with time wizard format is more products that are promoting older cards that are hard to find because yeah. um i know one thing with goats in particular is metamorphosis and cards like that are just so hard to get your hands on for like a good price 
that it puts a lot of players off because like i know for sure for me like i I have all my money invested into the uh, current constructed format i'm not gonna really want to spend heaps of money just for like a one-off kind of tournament and that 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 is the that is the concern that i have with um kind of old format stuff is like the the accessibility to cards so what i would like to see from konami with this is a speed duel kind of-esque box which has like multiple errors like if they could bring out like an errors box where like you know there's like a 2005 box that just has all the staples from 2005 there's like mm. a, I, I know it's a lot to ask for because but ideally in like in an ideal world like that is what we would want yeah i mean that was honestly a sentiment i was going to share earlier is that all these formats are very cool there's mm. just no product to support them at this moment in time. I mean, arguably, Common Charity doesn't really need product to support it because, like, it's literally just commons. Um, I'm not going to discredit it. There are some very expensive commons in the world um, across all games. Um, I think Time Wizard is probably the biggest culprit of needing something supplementary. Uh, you know, we spoke about, like, the, like, you know, what they've said is, like, US National Championships in 2005. So cards that were banned forbidden and limited in april 2005 and cards that were legal in at, at from dark beginnings to backwards that's mm. 17 years ago like you do you cannot like i'm sure konami are not expecting people to just be like oh remember when i played cards 17 years ago and i just wanted to like perfect i'll just pick up that's the same cards i had when i was Literally, for me, five years old. And that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> It's an accessibility thing. I mean, even cards like Morphing Jar that have been reprinted in tournament packs, like, where do you go now to get those? If you mm. wanted to go pull a Morphing Jar, you have to go find one online or find old OTS packs that have reprints. And I don't think OTS is, like, a good enough metric to reprint cards like that. No, and that's... I think we've had this discussion previously, but that's why sets like El Dorado or, like, Maximum Gold sets or maybe, you know, this next Ghost from the Past, the second Haunting... Like, they should include these kind of older format reprints. Like, not necessarily reprint banned cards, because a lot of people... There's a bit of an umbrage of people take with pulling banned cards from recent product. Um, you know, and I can understand you're investing, you know, your own cash into the chance of pulling something. And it feels mm. pretty shite when you pull something that you literally can't play for now. That's what I mean. It's like, if you're more interested in these kind of, in a Time Wizard format, and you go, oh, perfect, I really needed a Metamorphosis to play this format. I just couldn't find one. That's think, amazing. Like, Yeah, I think what they need to do is they need to, like, um, with the Time Wizard, and I, I like the fact that it is so open, because you can choose mm. any sort of error. But at the same time, they might need to just focus on, say, one or two formats to start it off with a product. So maybe what they could do is they could open up a um, Time Wizard Goat Pack, which is just like literally has all your goat cards, kind of like a dude kind of box set where mm -hmm. you just open it up, you get all your stuff, and you can go. Even if it has Time Wizard written on the card and you can't use it in a normal card game, I don't even care. It's just make them accessible. And then maybe later on down the track, the second printing could be like the Edison box. And you can just open up Edison format decks. Like, even if they're pre-conned, I don't even, you know, just something that's there that you can buy just to play. Because, like, for me, like, finding these cards is hard. And then, like, if you're trying to then play multiple formats all the time, you're going to have to start building more and more decks. And it's going to be quite a costly kind of thing to do. I think so. the secret is that, that Yu-Gi-Oh! doesn't have a reserved list. There's no cards they can't reprint. And therefore... They don't lose out on any potential money, I think, from mm. doing this. Yeah. If they reprint Metamorphosis at 
like super rare or, or gold yeah. text rare in the next gold set and you pull it and you're like oh that's banned but it's just a rare like you know it's not i'm yeah. not gonna lose sleep over pulling one of my rares and it's a banned card and then of course everyone gets really excited in the goat format world because hey look affordable reprint it I happens mean, when upstart goblin cyberstein all these cards get reprinted we saw that with like kyber collection just all those legendary collections floods of old format cards that were just nigh inaccessible pr mm. prior to these reprints and that's and an easy yeah it people were happy people were like oh yeah. my god i can pull a delinquent duo okay it's a secret rare from kyber collection but i needed it or it's a cool old card to hold on to because I, maybe i don't wasn't around when i when it was available and perhaps mm. konami doesn't see the value in that, if not to short print or make inaccessible the cards that are known to be difficult to acquire, like what's to stop them from just going, oh yeah, we'll reprint Metamorphosis, but it's a short print. Um, they, they see product often as a way to, uh, you know, via metrics, like determine a, a maximized profit before they think about like, oh, this would make the format healthier if we make this card easier to get. Mm. Um, mm. Inarguably, the format right now would be more versatile and accessible if droplet wasn't a secret rare from a set that was underprinted and then short printed in its follow-up reprint um and a tournament ultimate rare yeah <laughs> they clearly when presented with an opportunity to make a format more accessible don't choose that route they choose the um the route of difficulty <laughs> and i'm worried if if time wizard does take off from a product standpoint do they take that approach do we get you know the the time wizard goat set but metamorphosis is a secret and it's yeah. nowhere near easier to get. Uh, do they print it exclusively as an ulti in something? Like, wh where do we get those reprints is important. And I mean, we're talking about GOAT as if it's the only format, but Edison is full of cards that are just annoying to find. I mean, yeah, every, like, if you want to just follow, like, world's ban lists, like, you know, I hate to say it, but Max C is not a card that's been accessibly printed, and a lot of these older formats from Storm of Ragnarok onwards had it. And every copy of Maxi is expensive. Yeah, it's not. It's it's just inaccessible. Like, because that's what me, I would like to see. Obviously, I've got that. We got the uh, multi-format tournament coming up in February, and mm -hmm. that is the main complaint I've been getting from players. Is like, well, Maxi is like twenty dollars a copy. Whatever copy I buy, and like, I only I'm gonna need three of them to play like this so and so deck. Like, and people don't really want to drop the sixty dollars on a banned card just for the one-off tournament, I suppose, you know what I mean? Like, So I think that's the problem with Konami at the moment, but then like, I suppose if they reprint Maxi or put everyone into a frenzy that's coming back. But it won't. But it, like, well, again, They just don't bring it back. Like, also, what are the, what's the problem? Well, and again, they, like, they yeah. can just keep it banned and do what they did with these legendary collections. They were like, okay, here's Grace, here's Delinquent Duo at Secret Rare. It's still banned. Mm. Mm. You know, it's not a card that we're actually aiming to bring mm. back. Um, total side note, but there was a really interesting interview that Farfa held with a two-time world competitor and a world championship. And as an OCG player, he doesn't like Max C either. So mm. it's not a sentiment that's solely shared in the TCG, but they can just follow that same metric of like, we'll just reprint it for accessibility for these formats, but it stays banned. Yeah. Max C is just uniquely in that camp. Not like yeah. Pot of Greed, where if it got reprinted, yes, there would be a frenzy. Because it's on the cusp. It's on the teetering edge due to its OCG playability hmm. of people thinking it's going to come back. When they reprinted Pot of Greed, no one was sitting there going like, oh, yeah, yeah baby, we're getting Pot of Greed back. Like, no one, yeah. yeah, Duo got announced. No one's like, whoa, 
delinquent duos coming back to one. That's crazy. No. Like, <laughs> no, that can't happen. So, on the positive note, this is really awesome because I think they did try to make Commander, and we're going to talk about that, but this is Yu-Gi-Oh's Commander, in my opinion. This is the thing that you can pick up and play in between constructed meta and just have fun. I, I always have fun when I play old formats because it just takes the stakes away. Mm. You're not preparing for a YCS. You can't do this at a YCS. You know, I can't go and play uh, full power windups at a YCS. It's just not going to happen. No, you can, literally can't. And it's cool here listening, like just reading the description. Their only, their only limitations are the current list and the last legal set. That's really broad. So like, you know, we talk about these events from 2005, but like, oh, I really wanted to play, um, uh, let's go YCS Sydney the day after Pepe, the day Pepe was banned. Oh, okay. I go January, 2016. Mm. I can play all these cool decks that are available. Like that's cool. And I feel like yeah. that's, it's really, you know, unique of a design and does promote a lot of diversifying yep. in deck building. Like, yes, this will be just sanctioned goats. Like that is really what this is, but I think there's potential outside of that which yeah. i think is exciting absolutely sure. all right the next one heart of the underdog this one i am a little sus on so this is non-meta this is left up to the discretion of an ots store based on tournament results uh you are not allowed to bring a deck of a certain power level um, described here as frequently used deck types, allowing for a more casual tournament where duelists can enjoy new and interesting card interactions and explore fun archetypes that normally don't make the cut in competitive events. Thoughts? I mean, non-meta is unfortunately... Meta, just take away the, the prefix. It is so broad. And I think that's where this format will struggle. Um, I believe... I believe it was MBT who made a discussion about it, or I think was speaking, maybe I think it was maybe Barracks Bear Yu-Gi-Oh. They were discussing how Reddit held non-meta tournaments. So, you know, the community of Reddit would come together and play a non-meta tournament, and then whoever won, you couldn't play a game. The deck got banned if it yeah. won, so essentially. The deck got banned if it won the tournament. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I can understand that metric, but it's really tough to determine... As a, in this case, a OTS store, what is currently meta and not meta? Because you rely on your players to give you this information. Not every store has a dedicated Yu-Gi-Oh person who's just like finger on the pulse, knows what's going on and what's not. Um, and it's almost, it almost feels like, I think this is another thing they brought up. It's almost like plead your case as to why your deck isn't meta. Like, you know, we talked about it last week whether painters are receiving support does that then put them into the meta we don't know uh you know battle of chaos is a month away oh dark magician's getting all this cool support does that put it into meta you don't know and it makes it just too much of like a like it's far too fluid in yeah. description i i envision like beating someone at one of these events and then they go call a judge and try to make the case that your deck was too good and that sounds like shit. That sounds terrible. Like you beat them with like pure, uh, pure Melfi. And they're like, well, those cards are too good. Those are meta. And, and you have to have an argument um, about how good Melfi's are on the table. Think? Not saying that's guaranteed. 
I've seen one store in New Zealand do pretty well with a non-meta tournament, and I think it's TCG Collector down in Christchurch actually yep. have like a full format written out with like a proper ban list and like certain staples that you can't use and, and things like that. And and I, from from feedback that I've heard from some of the players, it seems to be quite an enjoyable kind of event, and I feel like it it, it can do well. But like the thing is, is if you take away what currently is meta, obviously what's left will kind of form its own meta, and that's the problem. <laughs> Um, like like you guys have just said, like as soon as you get rid of your sword souls and everything else, like what becomes meta then? Something like Outergeist or like, or is know. that too good? Or is that yeah. too good? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's there's a lot of tweaking to go on with that one, and I think it's a kind of an ongoing battle that the uh, OTS store is always going to come up against. Because if you then allow, say, Melfi's to carry on winning, everyone's going to be like, well, we're all just going to play Melfi now, and it's going to be, you know. Melfi tier one, you know, Melfi tiers are in that in that meta, and it will have to be adjusted again. So I feel like that one's hard to keep consistent. Yeah, and then it's also at a point where you can be like, okay, well, maybe this deck's only meta with like X amount of staples. Like, you know, I've been watching a lot of, for example, the totals again. Another side note, but like, like competitive Pokemon, like v, like video gaming. And it's like they ban Pokemon for a particular ability, but you can play it if it doesn't have it. And does the same carry over for Yu-Gi-Oh! Where they go, oh, well, your deck's really good with, like, you know, your in-archetype Cosmic Cyclone. So you just can't play that, but the rest is okay. And it's like, what is that? Yeah, if you show up and you're like, I built a really, really bad Tri-Brigade deck. Like, it sucks. I'm playing, like, one Fractal uh, and a bunch of... I'm playing, like, normal monsters in it. Like, can you play in the the non-meta tournament? Yeah. Like, what is the metric? Yeah. What is the definition? Where is where is the line Here's being the drawn? Yeah. Here's the thing. Non-meta is a reductive... Um, it's a reductive form of, like, uh, restriction where you're defining things by what they aren't. So what makes that difficult is you can't tell someone what non-meta is. You can tell someone what meta is because meta is something that is reliably having representation, topping at tournaments... The, the, the issue with non-meta is you can say it's a deck that isn't reliably topping at tournaments and isn't represented, but the difficulty there is that might just be due to um, accessibility, taste, accessibility, etc. Like, you know when a deck is meta because it's showing up and it's winning. You don't know if a deck is non-meta because that is just such a, like, limiting kind of description, not to mention the fact that, like, a meta deck can be a deck with no archetypes in it. We've seen, like, Eldritch decks barely playing Eldritch cards. So do you ban Solemns? Do you ban every Solemn? Do you ban... Do you ban Eldritch? Yeah. Like is, just the Lord? Is, like... is Gozen match too strong? Because, you know, yeah. is all the archetypes that play under it or have native extension through it aren't legal because they're too good? Uh, or is the best deck just something that has the, the most legal but not too powerful effect mixed with trap cards? Everyone just goes back to playing Wind Witch, you know? Like, what, yeah. what are we seeing? Yeah, and I think also another concern of mine is that's like, meta is far too, like, it is very easy to define. And, you know, you spoke about the, uh, you know, if, it's, if meta is determined on competitive success and representation, there is no reliable Konami-provided prov- source of deck success and representation we solely rely on their ycs events to determine it so is are those events the defi- like the definitive like be all end all for what decks are and aren't meta or 
you know, stores that, you know, have, you know, we've got Blenheim, like, you know, six, seven people, the person with zombies is always yeah. winning. Adam Adams had a never yeah. topped when it was at max power. Is that a non-meta deck? Yeah. It's, it's a little tough to tell. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I think it's a good thing to have lower powered formats. I don't think this is the right approach. And the TCG collector example you gave works because it's a bunch of people who kind of, well, they spontaneously wanted to play decks that weren't currently topping, right? So Mm. they had that discussion and they just all mutually felt that they wanted to do that. And I think looking at the other ways people have approached um, old format or the next one we're going to talk about is that Yu-Gi-Oh! players historically love to break formats. They don't like to um, sit on something that is subpar or suboptimal because we are trained like little apes to remove dead cards from our deck, to optimize, to reduce deck count so we draw the good cards as much as possible. So I foresee if Heart of the Underdog has a hard and fast, like, these are the decks that are legal, these are the decks that are not legal, we're going to see a slew of people try to break the format (laughs) and build some kind of new deck that resembles something meta. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, you talk about like the lower end tournaments. I feel like the next format is the way to do it. So we'll, we'll I one hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. I think the next format is super awesome, and I yeah. think um, going forward, I I do I think this is the most viable one of them all, mm-hmm. uh, and that's common charity. So it says here for common charity events, duelists will need to build a deck using only common cards. This applies to all parts of the deck: the main deck, side deck, and extra deck. Um, that's it. That's the whole format. Great. Yeah. So, talk about, we, we just went from the most undefined format to the most definitive yeah. format. One massive caveat um, is that this specifically says you have to play commons. This is a massive mistake. <laughs> I just, I do have to say, uh, and I really hope this is remedied. It is so dumb that if you own a copy of a card, you have to then go out and seek a common. Uh, okay, yes. Like, if you have Dusa Rescue Cats, you have to go out and buy the probably more expensive Flaming, Flaming Eternity, Eternity Commons. Yeah. That's ridiculous, um, mm. <laughs> in my opinion. But I this format you. is... Yeah, this format is cool. Uh, it's already emerged. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say about it is hopefully they could, they could adjust that to say, like, if the card has a common print in, and, like, you need to, like, at least have proof that it has a common print in like and there'll be a list of cards that have i I, I know i know it's kind of hard to do but for example me like if i say i want to play 10 ye i don't really want to go find some common common like for shooters from the 10 supers like yeah so it's it's yeah i see what you mean there yeah i think the the best example for this kind of flexibility was provided for magic Uh, i believe even lucas spoke about it to me previously they had a card that was printed in like 99 that was a common, like a pauper, what the, the format. It's called pauper. This yeah, is pauper. pauper. Uh, every was, other game calls it that. <laughs> yeah. The, it was a pauper staple. It was like $80 because it was simply a common from a set in 99. And in 2020, they reprinted it in a more recent set at uncommon. And everyone went, perfect. And they were like, it has a common printing in the yeah. past. We can play it now. And it's just been recently printed. Now imagine that story in the world in which it stays this way. That reprint doesn't affect the price. Yeah. Because the price was almost entirely propped up on its availability for Pauper. Um, and we just talked about Metamorphosis, a common that is worth like $50 uh, <laughs> because it hasn't been reprinted. And if it got reprinted at a super, but for some reason it was playable in this, you'd have the same problem. But looking at the format right now, what this has done 
is basically created a functional non-meta environment that is ever-growing. Uh, it, it benefits from new sets and good cards. It allows for experimentation, unlike Heart of the Underdog, which, like I said, isn't fun to break because the minute you break it, your deck gets banned mm. or you get banned because everyone thinks you're no fun. Pauper, or Common Charity, is entirely built around labbing and finding stupid stuff that is legal with only commons. And everyone already predicted that Goki was going to be the best deck. It's not even in the remote top 10. Like, it's not topping. Um, looking at, like, one of the latest cups, we see Tenyi and Lunalite are the most represented decks, with Melfi, Cyber Dragon, Paleozoic, Gren, Maju as the uh, runners-up in that representation metric. That's a cool slew of decks, and none of them can play, in my opinion, the most important stuff, really broken extra deck stuff. Yes. I think that's the huge part about this. Format. I believe the best extra deck card that of modern time is Borrowload. Yeah. Because that was printed as a common. Like that's Yaz it. Yazi, Redoer, uh, I think Vortex Dragon got a printing if you want to try and force pendulums. But for the most part, yeah, like most of the payoffs for spamming a bunch of guys to the field are gone. And uh, everything else remains the same, which is, in my opinion, a pretty good version of Yu-Gi-Oh. Hmm. I think as well, um, all being common, like, and looking at these decks here, like, you know, Tenyi, Lunar Light, Melfi, you, you can find these cards pretty easy. And, uh, and that's can. what I like. And, and the, you know, you can go on a single site, buy all the cards. Like, it's going to cost you maybe 10, 20 bucks to, like, hopefully get the deck together. Like, maybe a yeah. bit more. But, like, you can get a relatively decent deck together. It doesn't even matter if you don't, if it's not super competitive. Like, to upgrade it over the weeks would be quite fun anyway. So, like, it. it I, I feel like this format here, and this is one that I'm very interested in running at my at the store, like on a Thursday night or something, like as a side event. This is the one that I'm the most interested in, like just because of how accessible it is for everyone. Mm. Agreed. May need to pick up some uh, OTS 17 common hornets from Portugal. That might be a, <laughs> might be a do on the list. Yeah, because you could play that new support card printed at common, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, dragonflies at common and centipede, like. <laughs> The only card that was not a common until now is Hornet, and that is a Portuguese exclusive common. Resonance Insect. That was a common. Resonance Insect is a common. So I do have three of those. You just um, mentioned accessibility, and I think that when they finally announce that you can play non-commons, that will be true, um, which is exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this format does truly bridge the gap for people who are looking for that no-negate or at least minimal-negate kind of experience. I mean, back row decks, clearly not that good as well, looking at this meta breakdown. Yeah, yeah I paleo. mean, like, Tenyi's, yeah, Paleo's pretty good, but, like, Tenyi's biggest, best back row is the um, Counter Trap, which is, like, fine. Like, that's not crazy. Paleo is, like, it's conditional trap interaction. Um, I believe Cosmic Cyclone's, like, a mainstay in the format, though, if I do recall correctly. Everyone's on back row destruction. Yeah. Because yeah, back row is insane. I mean, as well. every solo yep. comes at common, so you, you've already got a baseline of good stuff. And one of the other reasons that I really like this format is it makes new product more exciting. Obviously, yes. we are always looking to the secret rares, the starlight rares for the value. But what, what's fun about this is when the, when the Megatons get announced and they put like Tyre at a common, that's huge. People are going to go crazy because it's like, oh my God, we can play this in, in common charity now. Mm. Yeah. My, I, I think that's cool. Like, because I'm just looking at my desk right now and I've got like a couple of boxes of Burst of Destiny just sitting there like, completely stacked with commons and they, they will stay there forever probably and, and we need to like at least with this format you're right like it will make those boxes of commons kind of like useful now i suppose like a little bit more useful anyway 
talk about digging through bulk. This is the best way to do it if you're promoting a mm. format that enco- entirely encourages the lowest rarity possible. Um, I do believe Lucas is right, though. They should integrate a fo- uh, the ruling where if the card, it should be moved from if the card had a common printing yeah. as opposed to must yeah. be played in. People are also going to want to bling out their common charity decks. That's just native to Yu-Gi-Oh players. Mm. That's no fun if they can't do it. If you can't go out and max your pauper deck, What's the point? <laughs> yeah, EDH or uh, Magic players do it. Yeah. Like foils or or just getting like the nicest, shiniest versions of cards when they get announced. Like if they reprint Metamorphosis as like a ghost rare, you know, goat players are going to want that because it's cool. They're like, oh my God, you know, I love the highest rarity version of this card. I could get it at common, but I mean, you know, yeah. who wants that? Well, from a, from a stunning, great designed format to uh, probably the one with the least thought put into it. Um, we are progressing on to the final format um, that has been kind of described or, you know, potentially introduced by Konami. Um, and that is Deckmaster. Now, we've kind of discussed this, like, this is comparative to, you know, Magic's format known as EDH or Commander. Um, however, this is just kind of less successful in every aspect um and it's a unfortunately feels like it needs the most workshopping mm. yeah i'm not uh, what are your initial thoughts joe all it's gonna be is like everyone will choose a floodgate monster to be their deck master so you could have like spell canceler just sitting on the field oh no you can't use spells <laughs> you know yeah, like, so the, the rules it's... are the deck master can sit in your deck master zone and its effects are applied to the field. So if it has a floodgate effect, it doesn't even have to be summoned. And then you can play normal effect, any kind of extra deck monster as your deck master. And at any point during the game, just summon it to your field for free. Mm. So I feel like the floodgate monsters, Majesty's Fiend, Vanity's Fiend, all of those are just going to be abused and it will just like ruin that format to the point well, of it's, like unplayable. It's interesting because it creates sort of like a cold war, right? So obviously you're right, Vanity's Fiend or Jinzo or whatever make the most sense uh, in terms of their power level. But what it does is create a format where everyone goes, all right, I'm just going to play Fluanda. Yeah. Right? Like everyone's just going to go, okay, well then no special summoning. I'll play the best normal summon deck of the format. And then of course everyone stops playing Vanity's Fiend and has to move on to playing Fog King. Or, you know, like it's just this dumb thing where it's just going to be an arms race that every single tournament will be some new thing that dodges the most popular floodgate of the last one yeah yeah i mean i don't really have a lot to say because i you know i think that like magic did edh slash commander so correct that it's almost it's almost nigh impossible to recreate that kind of success in a completely different environment um I think the clause at the very end as well, where it says that the deck masters destroy the duelist loses the game. I don't think that that's kind of intuitive. You're never summoning your deck master then. Yeah. So that kind of also defeats the purpose of having a cool guy to summon. Yeah. Mm. It's almost, it should read like your deck master be, must be on the field when you go, when you, and then if you, you know, put your it opponent It must zero. deal the last point of damage to yeah. win the game. Kind of like victory yeah. dragon clauses or like prize card clauses where it's like, if it deals the damage and puts your opponent to zero, you win the game. Yeah. That sounds mm. fun. Or even an alternative life point system or something um, to turn this into a format. What I think, and I I do have some stuff to say about this format, because I I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of 
Yu-Gi-Oh trying to rip the Commander success because everyone wants to recreate Commander. I mean, it prints money for Magic the Gathering. It is insane. Yes. And they can basically do whatever they want right now with Standard, their competitive format, because everyone's just playing Commander. They, they can just, oh, we'll reprint these Commander staples in this product and it will sell. And that's all that matters. So I can see why Konami looks to it and goes, damn, why are we not uh, getting in on that money? But what they've missed here, and I think the massive oversight, is that Commander is not about having a Commander, um, which in reference is your deck master, you know, something that sits outside of the field that you can summon as if it were in your hand. Commander is mainly focused on multiplayer. And that's what this is completely missing, is that having a Commander, having like access to your kind of ace monster is cool in in magic's format but mm. it's it's kind of irrelevant like a lot of the time commanders in magic are just there to um sit pretty on the field while you play your actual deck the fun part about commander is multiplayer it's about politics you know because you have three opponents you can't just play to win you have to work with other people to take the main threat down yeah and i think there is potential for that in Yu-Gi-Oh. i mean even the anime has had like two-headed giant duels where it's 2v2 or, you know, free-for-alls where everyone gangs up on the villain who has to, like, fend everybody off. And maybe the turn structure of Yu-Gi-Oh! does not work like that because going fourth is pretty much a death sentence. Mm. But there is more potential, I think, for multiplayer than what they're exhibiting here. Mm. I don't know. It's tough. Uh, multiplayer in Yu-Gi-Oh! is so hard because it's so fast. Um, yeah. You know, someone is going to just not get a turn. Yeah. The only things I can think about is like tag duels, 2v2s would potentially work, but the, the rules are very messy. And like that, that, I've always found like, even when I was like back in school and we had the old playground 2v2 or like free for all, it would be just in Yu Gi Oh! It was like, oh, well, he just summoned a Chaos Emperor Dragon and blew up everyone's fields. Let's kill him. You know, so it's, it, it was a bit like, you know, because they wouldn't get round to their turn again because everyone would just summon a monster attack that player, summon a monster attack that player, and it, it doesn't work the way that magic works in that sense. It's like, just so fast. It's too fast, and the, and the kill like the kill time in, like for your life points is just way too quick. Like you can it, like kill someone straight away, and then they're done. And like if you got two or three players all focusing on the one player, it will just they won't even get a chance to play. So uh, it, it is very hard to find. Yeah, that. I think even if you do what magic does and double your life total, it doesn't change that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, 16k damage would be quite easy. Yeah, it mitigates it at most, but like, it's yeah. not it's not impactful enough to be like, oh, okay, well, this is how you play Deckmaster is with 16,000 life points. Um, realistically, I think the first change that should be done is that the effects aren't active while they're not on the field. I think that's stupid. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, Magic, before they created their current ban list, had things that were, like, banned as Commander, but you could still play them in the deck and then literally banned cards. I would be interested to see if that's something that they would approach. It's like, oh, you could still play something like Last Warrior from Another Planet in your deck, but you can't have it as a deck master because it's too oppressive. Yeah. Or it's like, you can't have, you know, any deck master that prohibits your opponent from doing something turn one. Like, something that's just completely inaccessible or just completely shuts off in the entire game simply because you chose to have it as your deck master. Yeah, they could also int integrate something like Commander where the typing and attribute of your deck master matters. So like, uh, oh, you've got a fusion monster as your deck master, you can't play Synchros, Exceeds, or Lynx. Would yeah. be an interesting limitation, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you've chosen a reptile 
um, fire. I don't know why you did that, but now you can only play reptiles and fire attribute monsters in your deck. So it actually yeah. encourages you to build a more creative deck than just the best deck of the format plus an extra card in your hand, which is probably where this ends up, right? I can't imagine. Again, Yu-Gi-Oh! players just, they like to break stuff, you know? The, the first thing they think of is, what's the stupidest, most powerful thing I could do? Mm. Yeah. With its current wording on that format, I, I, I don't think it can work, like, at all. No. I Total disaster. <laughs> but, but you're right, like, if there was another way of doing it, like, you know, having an themes and stuff and you you can only summon the monster once during a door and then like he leaves the field at the end of the turn or, or something along those lines like yeah. it, it, there's something else they can do but i, I even exists then... but like farfa to make fun of on stream like yeah. he, like he'll do a tournament and it will just be like a big big disaster yeah. and we yeah. could all laugh at it and then we'll just forget it ever got announced yeah so mm. like, i think the takeaways from all of these formats is that time wizard and common charity are the ones that will probably be good and the other two were just not as good, and I, I, I and there's reasons for that. Like, yeah, yeah, there the, are there are a lot of reasons. The two bad ones, if you noticed, are both like quite fluid in the way that they've been worded. Where like there's just too much like movement in it. Whereas at mm. least for common charity, it's just laid out. You need commons. Time wizard, you need to stick to this format. This is the latest set. That's it. There's no questions. There's no, oh, but what about, you know, this or that? There's just nothing. It's set in stone. And that's why. No one shows up and you have to, like, argue with them for 10 minutes about how if you're no one wants to play against you when Last Warrior is your deck master, dude. Come on. Like, we're all sick of this. (laughs) Yeah. Gentlemansing out of things does not work when you want to actually support events. Yeah, ask Patrick Hoven. Yeah. (laughs) Gentlemansing's art doesn't work. Yeah, where's the format where you get to lie about your side deck? That's like the the most important vintage format, I'd say. Advanced Constructed. What do you mean? That's true. (laughs) Um, I think, Joe, you think you're absolutely correct. The formats that seem to be the most likely to have success are the most, like, like summative and definitive, Um, whereas the two with the most fluidity and interpretive meanings, I think, are probably going to fall to the wayside until we see something more further elaborated on them. Um, And then finally, uh, you know, this isn't too much of an interesting thing to discuss, but they're introducing kind of a new learn-to-play. So for any of our listeners who may be interested in the game or haven't played the game before or haven't played it in a while, um, they're interesting a new format uh, or kind of a new program called Rivalry of Warlords. Um, and it's in short a, dis- a format or a learn to play style that includes a deck list and like pre-constructed decks that you can lo- use and learn with um, that come with instruction manuals. You're allowed to look through your cards before you play them. And they're a bit of like if anyone, any of our listeners or anyone has ever been to a Yu-Gi-Oh! learn to play event, they're basically the next notch up before you were to step into either advanced constructed or maybe one of these four formats that we've so graciously listed below um quick thoughts on this new learn to play program so great it's good but i've just read the line where it says ots stores will be able to build the decks largely from cards they already have on hand so the problem with that is it's like now down to the ots stores to build the learn to play decks for the players so like they need from what's in hand so like this would be a lot better if they did come pre-constructed, but reading it there, I, I don't know if it does. So If you don't sell singles, it's going to be hard, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's, and that's not every store. Yeah, I feel like it, it's good, and something uh, it's good in a way where something needs to be done for Learn to Play, because I did a Learn to Play at Armageddon uh, last year, and it was okay, but there was, there was like summon copycat, copy your thing, equip this, attack, like your turn 
and then it was just normal monsters with a couple of equipped spells and it was just not quite enough and it was also teaching the speed door side of things rather than proper Yu-Gi-Oh um, the problem is is like we've spoken at length before about how there, there just isn't a bridge and, and 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 I think this is what this is trying to do where they're trying to go like hey look there's some archetypes here that have a bit of like synergy to them here's a manual on how to do it but like they still need to I don't know make better learn to play products that are pre-con that the OTS store doesn't have to like spend time building they just need to order them the decks get delivered they're pre-constructed they hand them out to the players they can go play the hobby league or whatever they want to do and then at the yeah. end of the day they give them back I feel like that would work a lot better than what they've suggested Yes, yeah. and also I think on tandem with that, they need to, to be honest, they need to be refreshing these decks so that they're in ta- they're in line with current product mm. that's available. Like, okay, sure, amazement's accessible. This example here, three musketeers of face cards, king queen jacks knight. That's pseudo accessible depending on how your king's quarters. Time thief hasn't been printed since the tens. Ghost from the past. Yeah, it wasn't ghost, ghost from the past. past. As well. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Like that's kind of your thing there. But again, that's. That's a product from nearly a year ago. Yeah. Like, sure, it's accessible. Um, is it boy, is it accessible? Um, but it's you know these aren't these aren't product or deck styles that are you know fluid that are constantly going to be something that you can get at all times. Mm. Yeah. Do you think I this agree. is just like fake prelude to just this is going to be in Master Duel? Like, I understand the idea of like sending out manuals to stores about like build these decks and you can teach people how to play. Surely these are just going to be the loner decks on Master Duel and they probably won't ever actually support this as a learn-to-play. I mean, they better be. Like, honestly, if that's the case, then absolutely fine. Like, make it accessible, make it free for people who would like to learn the game, and then fine. If they wish to transition to in-paper Yu-Gi-Oh!, then by all means, go ahead. But have these as your accessibility points for someone who has attended a mm. learn-to-play and wants to increase their skill level before committing to a large financial investment. Totally. Mm. I, I hope Time Wizard is playable in Master Duel. How cool would that be? I hope all these points are playable in Master Duel. Like, I, again, like, Heart of the Underdog could be so easily defined by them, going, that's true. here's what's meta. They could this literally just what, yeah. have a, a, a custom flag, like, yep. you can't play this deck on Master Duel. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, I think. well, that is the new formats. Um, we've been talking about them for a while, and we don't know a lot about them, but it sounds like we have a lot of hopes and dreams. Hopes, dreams, and product releases. Like, just if you want these to be the way to go, please create product to support them. That's really, yeah, yeah. that's, I think, the only ask, and I don't think it's a big ask. I think like, it would no. sell. I think goat stuff would sell a lot. It would. All I of mean, this stuff would sell. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I asked the question, like, if, if, if a... A dude like box, so a dual devastator box came out or something along those lines, which literally just said goat box. Would you buy it? Because I would. I could sell that to so many people. I could like, sell. I it wouldn't to buy so it, many customers. I'd sell it. Like thing is, yeah. I'd sell it to people. And I'd buy goes, it. Yeah. yeah, probably yeah for old formats. But like, yeah, like I would, I would have that. And like all it needs to be is like one way if you buy like say maybe put a price point of like fifty bucks for the box and it has like just all the staples. Like, just all of them, like, from that format printed. And then, like, some bonus cards in there as well. I don't know. But I feel like those sorts of products will 100% sell. And, like, there's a demand for it. I I speak to lots of players all the time, and they want to play older formats, but they can't because of the accessibility of the cards. And that's all they need to do is print print the products, and we'll be fine. 
Yes. Print the cards. Agree. Print the cards. Um, do we have any questions? No. We haven't no asked questions. anyone. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll probably do another question bucket soon. We'll actually put a post up. Yeah. So obviously we are sitting idly patient for um, the next ban list to be released, uh, scheduled for an, at no earlier than eight days um, at the time of recording. Um, has, I mean, this is probably a nice a little, like, little end of question. Has anyone th- anyone's thoughts on what should or shouldn't be banned changed in the new year? Or nah. I feel like just clean the format, but don't destroy the format. I think mine was perfect. I think I should stick with exactly what we said. Ruben, have you changed your mind? No, I'm the same. I'm just interested to hear other people's opinions. You know, because it's a new product. Um, We're on the very cusp of Grand Creators coming out. Um, That's that's three weeks away. Um, As a little kind of like slight news update to those who haven't seen, they've announced two uh, giant cards, which are confirmed to be ultra rares in Grand Creators, and that is Ukiyo-e Punk Amazing Dragon and Water Water Sorceress of the Temple. Yep. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, so look forward to getting those at Ultra Rare as we all thought they would be. Um, and as always, uh, please feel free to uh, like. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please give us a like. Uh, leave a comment down below with any questions and subscribe. It does help. Uh, give us a follow on your preferred listening app. If it is not through YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you can listen to them. And if you have any questions, queries, comments, concerns, or rulings... Um, please feel free to email us at thefacedowns at gmail.com. That's thefacedowns at gmail.com. And we'll aim to read out any and all of your things that you submit to us. We love hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very fun to hear people's insight. Uh, let us know what you think about these new formats. Are you going to pick up one in the near future? Let us know. I think we're all pretty excited for Time Wizard finally being sanctioned. I am actually really excited um, about that. And what kind of product would you like to see be printed for this? Let us know. Um, And as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Ruben. I'm Lucas. And I'm Joe. And you've been listening to The The Face Face Dance. Dance.